Well, good morning, church. It's, I would say it's good to see everybody this morning, but I uh, can't see most of you. Uh, you may have noticed we're trying something a little different this morning. We're putting all of our uh, lyrics and things across the bottom of the screen. Uh, hopefully that's been helpful to you, but uh, at the same time as we're moving through the sermon this morning, uh, you're only going to get one line at a time, and so you might want to be a little more careful, and most of you are used to kind of uh, taking your notes a little slower. I may be moving a little bit quicker than you're used to this morning, so hopefully that won't be uh, frustrating to anybody, but... Uh, You'll see those coming up at the bottom of the screen if you want to take notes this morning. We're going to continue today in the book of Habakkuk. I think a very timely word for this season in which we find ourselves as we talk about faith in tough times. We are in tough times right now, and we don't know when uh, these tough times will end, uh, but we do pray that God would shorten this season and that we would be able to come together again very soon. Um, as we look at Habakkuk chapter 1 again this morning, beginning in verse 5, uh, I just want to encourage everyone uh, to really consider a couple of things. Um, I, I've entitled today's message, The Chaldeans and COVID-19, because as I was reading through this passage, uh, I was just thinking about this description that Matt just read for us of the Chaldean army and how similar this is to what we're facing today uh, with this virus known as COVID-19. And I think there's so many similarities, but at the same time, I want to I wanna extend just a little bit of word of caution, both for myself and uh, for those that are listening, listening this morning, um, as we think about how God would use a wicked nation like the Chaldeans, or they're also known as the Babylonians, how he would use the Chaldeans to bring uh, a season of judgment uh, and retribution upon his own people. And Habakkuk is very astounded by that. As we think about this, I want us to think this morning about what God is doing during this time of virus and separation and disease and death that we are seeing on the news every day. I want to be careful as we look at this that we understand that what God might do uh, with an army like the Chaldeans and what he might do with a virus like COVID-19, while it has some similarities, there are also some differences. As we think about an army, there is moral agency to an army that we wouldn't necessarily apply to a virus. There is a personal responsibility that an army has that a virus does not necessarily have. Uh, but at the same time, there are many similarities as we'll see in our text today. And so I want to begin with a quote from uh, Pastor James Montgomery Boyce that I think just helps us to kind of think through this season as we try to apply this text to our current day. He writes, let us not be stumbled when we see surprising things happening in the world. And we do right now, don't we? Rather, he says, let us ask, what is the relevance of this event to the kingdom of God? That's going to be the primary question we want to look at today. What is the relevance of this event, this COVID-19 event, to the kingdom of God? Or to make it more personal, he goes on and writes, or if strange things are happening to you personally, as we're all experiencing right now, don't complain. That's our, that's our first inclination is to enter into grumbling and complaining. But he says, don't complain, but rather ask this question. What is God teaching me? 
What is God teaching us in a day like this? And I want to lay out a number of things today, and I've probably bitten off a little more that we can chew in the time uh, that we have this morning, but I want to do my best to, to lay out some thoughts about what is God teaching us? What is God doing in this season? As many are asking, why doesn't God do something about this COVID-19 situation? And the answer to that question is this, He is doing something. It may not be what we want Him to do. But he is not bound by any obligation to our wants and desires. And so let's consider some things this morning. And again, comparing COVID-19 with the Chaldean army. First of all, we see that both of these things, they cause a wrestling in our faith. If you're like me, this season has caused a, a wrestling with our faith that, that has been very unique in many ways. It's caused us to ask some, some deeper questions. As we looked at last week with, with Habakkuk and the day that he was living in, it was causing him to ask deep questions. And this season is doing the same for us, or at least it should be. I pray that we are not drowning ourselves in Netflix. I pray that we are not spending all of our time with, with Disney Plus and other entertainments. I pray that this is causing a wrestling in us. You'll remember, as I shared last week, that, that Habakkuk's name could be translated uh, wrestle. It could be translated as one who, who, who wrestles or contends with. And that's what Habakkuk is doing in the beginning of this book, that he is wrestling with deep questions that we ought to also be wrestling with. And the primary among those is this, what is God doing in our day? It wrestles with our faith. So what is God doing? Let me just lay out a few thoughts this morning, and I, I want to be careful here because I don't want to presume upon the Lord. I'll come to that point in just a moment, but for now, I want to lay out some thoughts about what I believe God is doing, what he's wanting to teach us and remind us of in this time of separation. First of all, God is reminding us of his kingdom. This time is reminding us that this world is not our home. This season is reminding us that we are pilgrims, sojourners, strangers in a foreign land, that there is a greater home for the people of God that we ought to be longing for. That's one thing this season is doing, but just as it's reminding us of our heavenly home and the things that are to come in the next life, we also are being reminded that if there's a kingdom, then there's a king. This season ought to be reminding us of the sovereignty of our God, that He is in control of all of these things, that none of this is out of His control, that while things seem to be out of control, they are not because ultimately God is the one who is sovereign over it all. So we go to Revelation 4. And we want to echo the words of those gathered around the throne of God and say, then worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. We want to be reminded that even in this season, the call upon our lives is to worship the living God, to give praise and honor to his name. That has not changed. 
We have just been drawn into a season where there are some obstacles to that, but the obstacles are not meant to limit our praise, but should be something used to increase it. As we'll see in the book of Habakkuk, ultimately this book leans itself, it leads out, it, it finishes up in a place of praise. And this season should do the same for us. So God is reminding us of his kingdom. Secondly, I believe that God is reminding us of sin's consequences. Again, one of the big questions people are asking is, is this the judgment of God upon the world, upon our nation? And again, we want to be careful that we don't make an undue link between uh, this particular season and, and certain sins. So some would say, well, this is certainly God's judgment about abortion, or this is God's judgment about our acceptance of homosexual marriage, or this is God's judgment of this or that. And we want to say for certain that any suffering we experience in this life is a part of God's judgment upon sin. But to get more specific in that, we start to get into some dangerous waters. But I do believe God is reminding us of this fact. Sin has consequences. Every suffering that we experience in this life, while it may not be tied directly to our own sin, it is tied to mankind's sinful rebellion against God. Now, sometimes we do suffer for our own sin. Sometimes we suffer for the sin of others. But all suffering, even the suffering of our Savior, was as a result of sin. He's reminding us of sin's consequences. Romans 6 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so God is reminding us of His kingdom. He's reminding us of sin's consequences. I do believe He is also in this day wanting us so badly to be reminded of Christ's cross. To be reminded of the cross of our Savior. To be reminded that our sufferings are by no means unique. There's such a temptation during this time to think no one's ever suffered like we're suffering now. There's such a pridefulness in that. There's such a, a falseness to that assumption. And the reality is we are, our suffering in this age is not unique. It may be unique in our lifetime to not be able to meet together as a church and, and not be able to go to our favorite restaurants or, or take a vacation, but, but it's not unique in the history of the world. And it's not unique in comparison with the cross of Christ. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 3, we don't have time to do that this morning, but you see in 1 Peter, there's a continual comparison between the sufferings that we experience as the people of God and the sufferings that Christ experienced as the Son of God. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, for what purpose? That He might bring us to God. Church, I want to say something to us. This season most certainly is meant to bring us to God. Suffering will have one of two effects in the lives of people. It will either cause us to turn away from God or it will cause us to turn to God. And the suffering of Christ on our behalf was done so that He might bring us to God 
And I would say this particular season that we're living in right now, this COVID-19 season is meant to bring us to God in new and powerful ways and to remind us of age-old truths and to spur us on to new mission and work on behalf of the gospel and God's grace. Fourth thing I believe God's reminding us of in this season is He is reminding us of the gospel's call. What is our response to the kingdom of God, our sin, and Christ's sacrifice on the cross? How do we respond to those things? The Bible has not left us without a given response. From the very beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, you find Him proclaiming these things over and over again. Mark 1.15 Jesus said, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so what's our response to that? The time is now. The kingdom of God is here. What's our response? Repent and believe in the gospel. And again, church, I want to say to us, that is not a one and done reality. It's not just looking back and saying, well, back when I was, for me, seven years old, almost eight, I was turning eight that summer when I trusted in Christ and came to faith in Him. For some of you, it was different points in life. This is not just saying, back here, I trusted in the Lord, but this is saying, in the present day, are we continuing in repentance? Are we continuing in faith? Are we continuing to turn from our sins and to trust in our Savior? This is the continual call of the gospel. And I would say this is one of the biggest things that God is wanting to do among us in this COVID-19 season. is to call us as His people to repent and believe. To trust in Him in new and life-changing ways. But with those four thoughts, I want to say this. I do believe that we can make some speculations, as I've just done, about what God is doing in this season. But there are also a lot of unknowns. There there is a reason for scriptural speculation based upon the Word of God. We, We make speculations about what God is doing, but there's also a place where we say, We don't know the fullness of it. Isaiah 55, the Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. What does that mean for us? It means while there are some things that we can say we believe God is doing in this time, there is also a host of other things that we have no idea. We don't know the fullness of what God is doing, and yet we can trust Him. If you read on, the rest of Isaiah 55 begins to lay out the power of the Word of God and how the certainty that it brings to our lives that His Word will go forth and will accomplish the purpose for which He sends it. So while there are some things that we don't know, there is so much that we do know. And are we trusting in what God has clearly revealed even while there are things that we don't fully understand? This is the wrestling. 
but it's a good wrestling, and I want to encourage us in it. Next comparison between the Chaldeans and COVID-19, number two there on your outline, is both of them are really fierce and fearsome. As he begins to lay out in verses 7 and 8 these comparisons between the Chaldean army and some of the things that we, we see in, in nature, he, he is describing a fierce and fearsome reality. And we are experiencing in our day a fierce and fearsome reality. There's a place in this where COVID-19 has caused new fears to well up within us. And I would say to us today, the problem is not that we have found ourselves fearful. The problem comes when we're controlled by our fear. See, that's the difference. It's not whether or not we're going to be afraid. That's not the ultimate issue. The ultimate issue is, are we going to be controlled by our fear? Or are we going to be led by our faith? From the very beginning of this, I saw uh, this season as a, as a time when we would have to wrestle over issues of fear and faith. And there have been so many who have said, well, well, these are not faith issues. And I want to say this to us. Everything is a faith issue. For the people of God, everything comes back to, are we going to trust Him or are we not? Now, how we work out those things can come in different ways. But, but we need to stop making these statements. Well, it's not a, a matter of faith. It's always a matter of faith for the people of God. For those who aren't trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not a matter of faith. But for those who are, it is always a matter of faith. This is fierce and fearsome times. Just like it was for Habakkuk, because he was considering what it would look like for the most fearsome army on the face of the planet to come and bring destruction to the city of Jerusalem, which would happen just a decade or so later. These were difficult times, and they are difficult times today. A couple of things about these Chaldeans, also known as the Babylonians. First of all, the Chaldeans thought that they were a law unto themselves. They thought they were the law. You look at verse 7 there, and it says, they're dreaded and fearsome, and their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. They, they weren't submitting to the law of God or the law of any land. They believed they were a law in and of themselves. This is a constant temptation for the sinful heart that we would be the writers or the rewriters of the law, that we would be those who would determine that which is good and just and right. And in our day, have we not seen so many who operate in this way that they themselves want to be the definers of what is good and right and true? And yet God has already defined, and we have no right to redefine what God has set in place. The Chaldeans thought they were the law, but they also thought that they were limitless. And I want you to consider the prideful foolishness of that statement. As the Chaldeans had not even been in power all that long. It had not even been 20 years since they had taken over for the Assyrians who were the world power before them. 
And it would not be even a century that they would actually have the leading role of ruling over the world as the world power at that time. They were one of the shortest empires in the history of the world. The Roman Empire lasted for 500 years. Most of the the empires of the world have lasted for several hundred years. By the way, our nation is still relatively young compared to to most of the empires of the world, let's beware of the same kind of pride that the Chaldeans had. The Chaldeans, the Babylonians, only ruled over the world as the main world power for about 75 years. And yet they believed that they were a limitless people. They believed that there was no no one that could conquer them, no one that could bring them into submission. They could take over any country and did so at will or so they believed and yet notice what the lord said verse 6 behold i am raising up the chaldeans church would we hear the lord say today behold i am raising up COVID 19 i know that's a hard word but i think it's a necessary word Because in the same way that he raised up the Chaldeans, he also wiped them off the scene after he was finished with them. And I believe the same thing will happen in this virus. But the question remains, what is God teaching us in this time? And will we listen well and heed his word? The next comparison between the Chaldeans and COVID-19, that both of them render no favorites. Hasn't that been true that... As we consider our current situation, this has been something that has crossed all kinds of borders. I think we could make this statement this morning that COVID-19 has really taken all of us captive. It's taken every one of us captive in some way or another, even if it's just captive to uh, we can't go to the places we want to go and do the things that we would like to do. It's limited some of our freedoms. There's a, but there's also a sense in which it's taken us captive mentally. I mean, and, and I've heard so many folks saying, I just I, I long to hear about anything but that. And maybe even this morning you're saying, I long to hear about anything but that. We're going to get to better things in the days ahead. And by the way, come back Wednesday night. We're not going to be talking about COVID-19 on Wednesday night. But for now, we are talking about it because there's this place where it's taken us captive. We, we can't get away from it mentally. And I believe in many ways there's a threat that it even takes us captive spiritually. It begins to oppress us, just as the Babylonian army would soon encircle Jerusalem and would put it under siege. Our minds are under siege by this virus. But there is a freedom in Christ to know that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Him. We are a people secure in Christ. Not only has COVID-19 taken everyone captive, but has, in a sense, taken every earthly castle. All kinds of demographics, poor, rich, popular, unknown, black, white, Hispanic, every nation, Every socioeconomic class, every educational background, all kinds of political persuasions, all have been 
touched by this. There's no one that hasn't been uh, overcome by this in some sense. And we, we see that picture there in verse 10. It says uh, of the Babylonians that kings, they scoff at rulers. They laugh. They laugh at every fortress for they pile up earth and take it. That, that describes what they would do as they uh, put a city under siege. That they were, they were known, the Babylonians were known for piling up these earthen ramps. They would bring in mounds of earth and they would build these ramps and then they would have these siege towers that were on wheels. They would roll up these earthen ramps to the side of uh, that, that fortress, the side of that city where they might climb the tower and then invade the city. That's the picture of what's happening there in verse 10. And I think it's a picture of what's happening with so many of us. We've been under siege. The earthen ramps are being built. And it's as if the enemy is coming in to invade. And yet we are not a people without hope. We are not without a Savior. We have the promise of God's deliverance. Even if it isn't enacted as exactly as we think it should be. Finally, this morning, I want to think about one more way in which the Chaldean army was similar to COVID 19. I believe it's this that it reveals our foolishness. Now, verse 11 here speaks of the idolatry of the Chaldeans. Let's look at it again together. They sweep by like the wind and go on. By the way, that's so descriptive of what actually happened with the Chaldeans as a nation. They were a, a, a flame that came up quickly and then faded just as quickly. They were raised up by God and then eliminated by God almost just as quickly as far as the history of the world is concerned. But then notice what it says in verse 11. They were guilty men whose own might is their God. They worshiped their own might, their own ability. They believed that they were limitless. They were untouchable. No one could do anything against them. And they didn't trust in any other god or any, any kind of even false gods. They, they trusted in themselves. The root of idolatry is so often self-centered. And I want us to consider some of the idols of our day in just a moment. But I also want us to recognize that God was bringing the Chaldeans, this idolatrous people, against his own nation of Judah, who were also an idolatrous people. The people of Israel by that time had gone through generations upon generations of idolatry. That cycle that we see in the book of Judges of God uh, raising up a judge to deliver his people and then the people would turn back to God for a season and then slowly they would creep back in to their idolatrous practices, worshiping the Baals and the, and the other false gods of the land. And then God would bring judgment upon them through some other nation like the, the Babylonians. And then they would turn back to God. They would cry out to God and they would ask God to deliver them. And then God would send a deliverer and the cycle would repeat itself again. That, that particular cycle had been repeated over and over again through the, all those years of the judges, 400 years of the judges, and then all those years of the kings, 400 years of the kings, that cycle had repeated itself over and over and over again. And yet, hear me, the idolatry was ended in that form once God brought the Babylonians to bear upon 
the people of Judah. Once that 70 years of Babylonian captivity was over, they never returned to that time, that same kind of idolatrous cycle that they had been in. And I wonder if that's not a similar work that God's doing today because I see the same kind of idolatrous cycle in us. Let's think about some of our idols. I believe without a doubt, we have been a people who have worshipped idols of sports and spare time or leisure, recreation. What are the same? You, you can understand what people begin to truly worship when you look at what they lament when it's gone. And if you look at the comments that we've seen on Facebook, so much of the things that we're seeing are, are laments over the fact that we didn't get to have March Madness. People are dying and we're concerned about a basketball game. Or there are laments over the fact that we won't get to go on our next vacation or take our next cruise. There are earth-shattering realities that are happening, and yet this is what's being revealed. You will know what people have closest to their heart when you see what they begin to lament over, what they begin to grieve over, what they turn to when things get difficult. And we have most definitely been a people, and I'm not just talking about outside the church, I'm talking about inside the church, who have worshipped sports and our leisure activities and our entertainments and our recreations. And when that has been pulled away, we see in our response. Secondly, we have worshipped idols of safety and security. I've said this many times, and I want to say it again this morning. God has never once promised to His people our safety in this life. We idolize safety. We, we, we put in uh, alarm systems in our homes. We put multiple locks on our doors. In this season, we have taken all kinds of precautions. And, and hear me, I'm not saying don't take precautions. We don't want to err in the way of foolishness. But we want to be careful that we are not worshiping a false God of safety and security when God has not promised us safety in this life. If it is God's will that any of us should perish from COVID-19 or any other number of things that might take our lives, we ought to find ourselves in the way of the Apostle Paul saying, hey, that's far better anyway. It's far better for us as believers in Jesus Christ to leave this sin-stained world and to go to be with our Savior. Now, we don't want to do anything foolish that would lend itself toward that, but at the same time, we don't want to be hunkered down in a place of fearfulness, worshiping a false god of safety when the one true and living God has not promised to be safe. I think about the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis's uh, book series that we just started reading again with our kids. And one of the children in the book asks the question about Aslan, this lion that represents God in those stories. They ask of Aslan, is he a tame lion? 
And the character that responds to their question just laughs to himself and says, no, he's certainly not tame, but he is good. And church, that's what we need to hear in these days. We need to be reminded that our God is by no means tame, but he is good. More than COVID-19 is fierce and fearsome, our God is fierce and fearsome. More than COVID-19 causes us to wrestle with our faith, it is God Himself who causes us to wrestle in our faith. And more than COVID-19 is one that renders no favorites, that's knocking down every wall, we know ultimately it will be our God who does those things. And so let us be worshiping Him and not these false gods. And let me give you one last one as we come toward a close this morning. I believe we have most certainly, as the Chaldeans did, worshipped idols of self-sufficiency. Will this season lead us into a place of deeper dependence upon God? Greater urgency in prayer. Greater passion for gospel mission. Will this season lead us away from self-sufficiency and self-fulfillment into a place where we understand that our hope is not in our own might? Our hope is not in our technological advancements. Our hope is not in a cure for COVID-19. Our hope is not in, in the sustenance of our economy. That our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And we shall not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. And is that the rock of our salvation? Or are we building upon sand in these days, putting our hope in that which does not have hope for us? Let's lean in as we finish this morning to the closing words of 1 John. 1 John chapter 5 reminds, reminds us of some things that we know, beloved, and some things that we need to cling to even as we continue to wrestle in these days. John writes, and we know that the Son of God has come and He has given us understanding. So that, what's the purpose? So that we may know Him who is true. Not so we can get all of our questions answered, but so that we may know Him. That's the goal, that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him. That's even better than just knowing Him. We are in Him. That's, that's the Apostle Paul's favorite description of the Christian life. We are in Christ. We are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. That's where our security lies. That's where our hope is found. And then these words, He is the true God and eternal life. Not these false gods that we would be tempted to worship. He is the true God and eternal life. So little children, let's keep ourselves from idols. As we close out today, we want to ask the Lord to enable us to examine our hearts. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. 
We can easily be deceived into thinking that we're trusting in the Lord when we're trusting in lesser gods. I want to pray for us today as we close out this service. We're going to share a song that will enable us as well to spend some time in self-examination. The Bible encourages us in this. The Apostle Paul writes, examine yourselves, test yourselves to see where you are in the faith. Not where you were or where you hope to be, but where you are in the faith right now. Are you trusting in the Lord? Is He sufficient for you? And so let's pray and ask God to enable us in this self-examination as Grant comes to share this final song with us. Father, we pray in a time of great distress, in a time of many questions and wrestlings and doubts and fears and anxieties, we pray and prayer is an act of dependence upon you. Prayer is a reminder that you are God and we are not. Prayer is a reminder that we are sinners in need of a Savior and that Christ is that Savior and that we have been redeemed. And so we can come before your throne of grace with confidence, not confidence in ourselves, confidence in our little g-gods, confidence in that which is false and hollow, but confidence in the God who has spoken, who has declared over us that we belong to you because of what Christ did at the cross. Lord, help us to see what is residing on the throne of our hearts this day. Help us to see what we're trusting in, to see where our hope is found, to see where our faith lies. And I pray, Father, that if there be anyone listening to my words this morning who has not yet trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray that today would be the day that they would understand the Scriptures have been fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, and that they would repent and believe the gospel. They would believe that our holy God has come and dealt with our sin problem through the cross of our Savior. That they would trust in Christ, turning from their sins and trusting in Jesus to do for them what they could never do for themselves. That they would give their heart, mind, soul, and strength and devotion to Him. He alone is worthy. Father, lead us to continue in this time of self-examination this morning and fix our eyes on Jesus, we pray in His name. Amen.